0: Good morning everyone. Great to be with you here at Greater Alton Church. I'm Tim and uh, if it's your first time here, we're glad you've joined us this morning. Got a couple of announcements to make and then we'll get into our lesson today. First thing is the Fall Fest is coming up in just a few weeks. And so be, if you're interested in helping talk to someone at the Welcome Center, and they'll be more than happy to help you. Just imagine all the families we're going to meet on this particular Sunday afternoon on the 22nd. It's going to be a, it's going to be a blast. And so uh, if you'd like to help with it, just talk to someone at the Welcome Center, and they'll point you in the right direction. The other thing is the men's retreat. That's coming up. We call it Act Like a Man, and last week I said something about it if maybe you want to get an early start, there's going to be a beard growing contest. My wife has already made the appointment at the veterinarian. She thinks I've got the mange. They're going to put me down. No, no, but I've been trying. I know some of you have been trying too. And so, uh, I don't know what's, but I'll, it's going to be fun having this beard contest as well, but if we're having it at Durley. Uh, campground there uh, outside of Greenville. Going to be a great time. And I've been given the wrong dates. It's actually November the uh, 3rd through the 5th that we're going to be having our men's retreat. We hope you'll join us, all right? Let's get into our lesson here. Um, Every company has a slogan. Every company, when you stop and think about it. In fact, uh, they have some kind of a tagline of, of, of such. So, Uh, I thought we'd play a little game here. I'm going to show you some slogans. You guess the company, okay? Let's see if this will work. Here's a slogan. Uh, Can we get it up there? Anybody? There we go. Oh, they do. They clarify the product. Let's see us. Energizer, Energizer, of course. It's Energizer, am I right? Yeah, okay. Let's do another slogan here. The breakfast of champions. I'm not thinking of Caitlyn Jenner here, but anyway, it's... uh, the Breakfast of Champions. Yeah, we all know that one. Some of us grew up with that one. I love this next one. Of course. Okay, the next one. Let's have the next one. Somebody was telling me other stuff. It's actually, yeah, what's in your wallet? And then I love, this is one of my favorite. Just two words. Nick Wells. Oh, Nick Wells. He works at Subway. It's Subway. And you know what? And that's the thing that's interesting about slogans. They tell you, they clarify what their what, what their product or their services are about. They really make that make that clear. Even like these two words, "Eat Fresh." You know, it's about food, and you know, it's about good food. Obviously, this slogan is also telling us what Subway doesn't do, and that's sell lumber. We've got that narrowed down. Am I right? So, so, so a lot of times slogans are taglines will clarify this is what we do and this is what we don't do. Let's look at a few others here because slogans can also identify why a company exists and what they value the most. They pinpoint they pinpoint the purpose of this company or maybe a principle, a big principle they want to live by. Let's look at some and see if you can guess these. Here's the here's the next one. I know some of you who used to be state farm uh Probably, if I said, well, they weren't a very good neighbor to me when I had my fender bender. But they, and they do make a big deal about it. They really want to be that person that's good for you, that'll help you, that takes care of you. Here's another one. I made it challenging. Come on. It's Disneyland. I know some of you might be going, I'm not sure anymore. And you know, they take that seriously. They take that seriously. I've been to Disney World. It is a, mag- it is a magic kingdom. There's a magical stuff that happens. They go to great lengths to make sure they're the happiest place on earth. Here's another one. TED. That's what it's about, the TED Talks. That's all they're about. They're about spreading ideas. I love this one, FedEx. And then this one here is an interesting one. Look at this one. It's a long one it is Starbucks. We just happen to have a new Starbucks in Alton. And uh, this is kind of their mantra or their mission statement or vision statement. And that's really what slogans sometimes do. They they, they act like a, a statement, a short statement that may say a lot, uh, whether it's two words or wordy like the Starbucks one. Sometimes we call them mission statements or vision statements. Jesus used the power of a short statement to emphasize something that was important to him. When he wanted to lift something up, he would do a mic drop. Last week, somebody said, man, Tim, you had some mic drop moments. I go, really? I didn't think of it like that. But Jesus is crystal clear. He says some things that are important to him, and he says them in short bursts and short statements that might describe, that sometimes describe who he is, why he's here, what he's up to and, and what matters to him. And, the, and some people who are much smarter than me have figured out that of all the things that Jesus taught, they, all the things he said and did seem to fall under five categories. They seem to fall somewhere in these five categories. For example, look at this one here. It's the value of worship. He talks about the value of worship. You find this in Matthew 4. It's up here on the screen. Look what Jesus says. Worship the Lord your God and serve him only. That's how he believes. He says, if you want to know how to treat God, how to wor- you worship him. This is how he wants to be treated. There's the value of membership. Jesus talks about that too. And some of these statements are very familiar. Look at this passage here in John uh, 17, 21. Father, he prays for us, all of his believers. I pray that they may be one as you are in me and I am in you. And that's, he's talking about membership, how close he wants his people to be. There's the value of uh, ministry or the ideal of ministry. In other words, God wants to use us. And look at this passage. This is a very familiar statement Jesus has made. You probably know this one. He says, I didn't come to be served, but to serve. Then there's this idea or ideal or value of Maturity. I mean, what's God want to do with me? What's he want to do with me? And look what the Bible says here. He says, Jesus said, follow my teachings and learn from me. He says, that's important. He calls his disciples. They leave everything and they follow him. And then there's the value of missions. A lot of things Jesus said had to do with evangelism or missions. In other words, what God wanted us to do while living in the world. On the planet. Look what he says here in Luke 19.10. He says, for the Son of Man came to seek and to save the lost. Very short, concise statement. It's a, is it a slogan? Well, it's like a slogan. It's a short statement that says a lot. He says, I came here to seek and save the lost. He said, I didn't come here to take care of the saved or help the saved. The doctor, the, or he said, a doctor takes care of people that are well. I'm here to take care of the sick. I'm here to seek and save the lost. And what I think is interesting, as I was looking at this, I looked at Acts 2 once more like we've ha- we've been looking in this series. We've been looking at what are we here for? We're, we're, we're trying to become the church that Jesus wants. He he has a blueprint of what he wants the church to be. And as members, we're called to to help build this church. And it's about becoming that kind of church that Jesus wants. And so in Acts 2, you see the church lifting up these same ideals that Jesus talked about. Right off the bat, at their very first service, this is the kind of church that you read about in Acts 1, in the New Century Version. It says it like this, they spent their time learning the apostles' teaching, maturity, sharing, and again, membership, breaking bread, and praying together. There's worship. The apostles were doing many miracles and signs, and everyone felt a respect for God. Sounds like worship, doesn't it? All the believers were together and shared everything. Membership. They would sell the land and the things they owned and then divide the money and give it to anyone who needed it. Sounds like ministry. And the believers met together in the temple courts every day. There it is, membership again. They ate together in their homes. Membership. Happy to share their food with joyful hearts. Ministry. They praised God. Worship. And they and were liked by all the people, missions. Every day the Lord added those who were being saved to the group of believers. And there's, a, again, a reference to missions. I don't watch you, but I just think, wow. I've, every time I read Acts 2, I go, wow, to be a part of a church like that. Just imagine what it would be like. The, a church that has 3,000 baptisms their very first Sunday they start. Talk about a train wreck. Talk about crazy. You know, all these new believers running around. There's only 120 established believers in the group, and they've got to take care of 3,000 more, and they're scrambling around, and God's working. They're, Christ is first. God is first. They has this awe and respect of God that not only just they have a relationship with God, but it's so tight with each other that they, they see each other all the time. This, this morning I decided to come to church early. I came at 8 o'clock. There was only one person here and then over here come more and more and more. And I got to see how the, usually I'm here about 30 minutes or an hour before church starts, but I came at 8 o'clock and wow, I watched, I watched Bob open up the coffee, the coffee area. I watched people coming in and having a small group. It was just exciting. I was looking forward to being here today. And there's just something about that, that idea of, You know, not just having an awe and a relationship with God, but also a relationship with the rest of the believers in his church. That's uh, and, and to see this church serve each other, to look at this church, they sell each other, they sell possessions so they can help each other. That's one of the marks, by the way, that the early church had is the way they took care of each other. The Roman government was jealous of the church, the way they took care of their own people. And then you've got this idea of all these people changing. Not only did they, they were baptized, they turned to God. They're cut to the heart and they turned to God. They're, they're, they're transforming their whole priority and they all their interests and all the things that they're now, they used to be interested in and used to be uh, putting emphasis on. Now they've just completely turned it around. They're, they're now into what God wants. They're, they're just, they're appetites for the Word of God. They're devoted to the Scriptures. They're devoted Devoted to the guidance of the Holy Spirit. They're listening to good teaching. They're, they're helping the church grow. So much that they're making impact together in their community. People like them. Not everybody hates them. That comes later. But everybody liked them. Why not? It's a great place to be. A place like this church doesn't happen by accident. A place like this doesn't happen automatically. Get a bunch of people together and then you got a church. It don't happen like that. It takes all of us, every one of us, to do our part if the church is going to be, if it's going to become what Jesus dreamed of it becoming the first time he talks about it. Look at this passage in Colossians 3. Paul encourages the church of Colossae. This is a very small church, by the way, a very small church. And he says to this church of Colossae, let the, peace, let the peace of heart that comes from Christ always be present in your hearts and lives for this is your responsibility and privilege as a member of his body. I, I, I thought, I thought well, you know, what a privilege, what an honor, what a pleasure it is to be a part of the church, to be a part of God's family. When you stop and think about it, you know, I'm sitting back, uh, I'm in the bathroom, you know, looking at myself going, uh, you know, get trying to get ready. And I, and I go, it's all paid for the buildings all paid for and it feels good, but there's pleasure. There's a pleasure. I can't, I, I, it doesn't compare to, to paying off something. There's a the pleasure of, you want me in your family, Lord? I get to be in your family? If you knew the family I grew up in, oh my, this is such an up. This is such a good thing. Such a great thing. And he says it's a privilege, it's a pleasure, but to also remember, Tim, there's a responsibility, that there's some stewardship that has to come from you when you've you've been part of the family. You know, I remember... I, you know, you, you get born into the, your family, right? I remember when I came along, and and you know, my older brother, his job, I thought, I thought his job description was to pick on me. I really did. I thought that's, well, I'm doing my job, doing a good job. You know, no, that's how. But I remember when Danny was born, and I, you know, I am three years old, and after a, a little longer, Dad would sit down and say, "You do know now, that's your younger brother, right? Yeah." That's your little brother. Well, now he's as big or bigger than me. I think he'd beat me up easily now. But then he goes, you do know he's your, because he's your younger brother, you've got to take care of him. Now I was skin and bones. So imagine, you know, you could see my ribs, you know, sure dad, I've got it. I've got it covered. There's this, there's this responsibility early on. I start learning you, Tim, for this family to function, you've got to do your part. That's why you clean up your room. That's why That's why you make sure the light switches are shut off. You do your part. And as I grew, that responsibility grew as well. There's a stewardship. There's a privilege and honor being a part of a good family. But it's also a responsibility for each of us here. We carry it. God's put it on you and me. And what's that responsibility? To do what he wants. What does he want? What, is, what what's, what's he wants to do with, and to satisfy what he wants? Well, what is it? Personally, for me, what would it be? Well, let me give you five personal choices I'd like for you to make today so this church can become the church that Jesus wants. First, that God wants me to worship him. He wants me to worship him. You look at the Ten Commandments, and right off the bat, the very first commandment. Look what it says: "Do not worship any god except me." He says, "Man, if if we're going to start somewhere, let's start with worship. No other gods, Tim. Just me. That's hard." I remember one time. Some of you remember when we were back in the grocery store, and there was there was a storm, and the power went out, and. Everybody started grabbing, we had some candles, and we start lighting them, and we're setting them everywhere. And I'm looking around, and it's looking kind of cultic, scary cultic. I lean over, and I go, you know, if people didn't know it, we look like we're Satan worshipers. And Robert leaned right back over and goes, well, you know, in about two minutes, it's going to be obvious who we worship. Church, it's obvious Who you worship. You understand? It's obvious who I worship. Who's first in my life. There's no haziness. No confusion. You know if you worship God. And God knows if you worship Him. He looks at your heart. He can see down your heart where you really are with Him. And I just want you to think about this idea that, it, that, that it's so important who you worship. Why is that so important? Because if I don't worship God, I'm going to worship something. Because that's how, that's how we're wired. Every culture, every culture that's ever existed on this planet has, has some kind of aspirations and some kind of direction of looking up and looking beyond. Whether it's a sun god or a promotion or a higher bank account. You see where I'm going with this? It's what is important to me, most important to me is what I really worship. And if you don't worship God, you're gonna worship I know I know people that have worshipped cars, trucks, houses, jobs, money, retirement, free time, hobbies, sports. Spouses, children, parents, power, position been there, done it myself, found myself going, man, what am I doing? Is this really please? Is this about pleasing God or is this about a preference of mine? Because when you worship God, he's first. Everything I think of, everything I'm going, every, everything, I start bringing everything from me to him to go, what, what do I do with this? What would please you? Look at this passage here in Hebrews 12. Therefore, let us be thankful. all be thankful that we are a part of an unshakable kingdom and offer to God. Notice it's a plural now. It's all of us here. It says, And offer to God worship that pleases Him and reflects the awe and reverence we have toward Him, for He is like a fierce fire that consumes everything. See, ro- worship, your worship, my worship reflects how we really feel about God. And folks, God refuses to be worshipped from second place. In fact, who remembers somebody coming in second other than the person who came in second? I, I just think all the gold medals, not the silver medalists. I think of all the people that finished first. And, and God knows that that's the place he should be in our lives. Now, Alan's going to be talking about this in the next couple of weeks about what is worship, what does God call us to when it comes to worship. So I just simply want to ask you, you know, uh, d- does God have your worship? Number two, what else does God want from me? Well, God wants me to be a member of His family. I know we talked about this a little bit last week. Well, let's look at it again here. His unchanging plan, it says in Ephesians 1, has always been to adopt us. Would you circle adopt us? Adopt us into His own family by sending Jesus Christ to die for us. And He did this because He wanted to. Now God, listen, God is not content of you being just a guest. He's not happy with just visiting Hello. No, He wants you to experience much more. Why is that? Because you're never going to experience everything God has to offer attending and visiting every once in a while. It's like a snapshot. You just don't get the full effect. Denise and I went to the Grand Canyon and we're taking pictures of the Grand Canyon and a picture can't contain it. As hard as we tried. Here we are, you know, Point Imperial. Kept backing up. And take the picture? No, delete it. Try it again. Delete it. It just and and, and snapshots just can't capture it all. I even did a panoramic, and a pano, on my and it come close, but notice it it takes longer to do a panoramic shot than it takes a snapshot. And I'm never going to really understand and experience what God's all about if I'm just attending. In fact, He doesn't say. His unchanging plan has always been for us to attend his family. No, it's adopt. Adopt! That's a whole different. What's that about? It's about, it's about being in, living in his home, in his church. It means to belong, to belong to his family. I don't know about you, but I, I'm gonna, I'm gonna remind you of something. Remember when you were a guest? Remember when you were a visitor? That's what they called them back when I was, Denise would invite me to church and I'd go to church with her and it was obvious I wasn't in. They treated me like a visitor. Uh, We've dressed it up now. Oh, you're a guest. Just fancy word for visitor. I wish woke, I wish woke would deal with that word. If, if you're gonna be woke, deal with that word. Visitor. I don't like that word. You know, sometimes they make you stand up. There's our visitor. Sometimes they turn to some visitor you see and here they come. Scare me to death. Oh, it's lovely being a guest and a visitor. Here, have a seat. Here, come over here. Oh, it's so good to see you. Down deep inside, you're nothing
1: but a visitor.
0: See, I was in the building, but I wasn't involved. You get me? I was around, but I wasn't in there. And I'll never forget, you know, Denise started studying the Bible with me, and I started studying with some other fellas, and, you know, it was a two-year study. I was a hard-headed guy, and... Finally, I decide I'm going to give my life to Christ. I'm going to surrender. I mean, I was a churchgoer. I was going to church faithfully most of the time. And then I decided to put Christ on in baptism at Williamstown, West Virginia, after a soul-winning workshop. Driving all the way back to Illinois. Eight-hour drive, and we're driving along. And I'm thinking, what's going to happen when I get home and tell my mom and dad that I've not... I'm no longer going to be a Methodist. I'm going to this church that I've been a guest and a visitor, but I'm no longer a guest and a visitor, see? I'm in there now. I remember pulling up. I remember pulling up the parking lot. Mike Napier opens the door. I get out and he opens the door and I walk into this church building. It used to smell funny. It don't smell funny anymore. What happened? I remember going down the aisle, walking down the aisle. At our old church, we had an altar. You came up and knelt and prayed. Debbie knows what I'm talking about. The old Methodist altar. You got an altar. Come on down. You want to accept Jesus? We'd go to the altar and we'd pray. There was no altar in this church. I remember it had steps like this. I remember coming down the aisle. It was dark. Nobody else in the auditorium. I got on my knees. I just praised God that I was finally in God's family. There's nothing better when you finally know, I'm in it. I'm no longer a guest. I'm no longer a visitor. God wants you to be a member of His family. Look at what the Bible says here. All honor to God, the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, for it is His boundless mercy. In other words, because He wanted to, and it's based on His boundless, endless, incredible mercy. Gives me what I need. That He's given us the privilege, the pleasure of being born again. So that we can now, are now members of God's own family. You know, what I learned from this church that being a Christian is not a solo act. Never was intended for it to be a solo act. I'm telling you that Christianity, being a being a Christian, isn't just about, oh, I'm just me and God. It's it's it includes that it includes this relationship, but it also includes this relationship, just as much. When my sons were born, I remember, you know, like any dad, we're over there where they're bringing the kids in, and they got them in the baskets, and they all kind of look alike. You know, they're all scary looking. You know, especially a new dad. And there they are. And I'm, well, what am I doing? Like all the other dads, which one's mine? Well, I hope it's not that one. Uh-huh. And then you look. So what do you end up doing? You're looking for the name, right? You're looking for that last name. I'm looking for Gil. This other guy's looking for, you know, Smith. I'm like, I'm sorry. I'm not looking for you. Oh, I'm glad that's not mine. There, there he is. There's Nathan. And I go, oh, that's my son. He's part of my family. And then I remember when we went, we are bringing him home and Denise has got him in the, and holding him and walking. To, and I'm taking pictures. You know, we're doing all this stuff. Getting ready to go in the house. And then we get in the house and I go, okay, T- uh, Denise, there's his room. You can't see him anymore. Just going to be me and him. Son and a Father. And you're saying, that did not happen. You know that did not happen. Matthew comes along. Doing this, going through the same thing. Coming through the front door, you know, taking the pictures. And there's Nathan. Everything was great until this other guy. He used to say that. He'd say it right in front of Matthew. You know, we had it great until you showed up. Matthew's like, punched him in the nose, you know. <laughs> But I, and, 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 and he, so here comes Matthew, and I didn't say, okay Matthew, Denise, uh, Nathan, sorry, but you're never gonna see him because it's just this special relationship you have between your father and son. Just like I have between me and God. I don't need the church. I don't need the rest of the family. It's just me and God. Who are you kidding? Who are you kidding? That's crazy. He says, "I made you a part of my family, not to be segregated and off by yourself and never around anybody else." This church can't be this church. We can't. We cannot. We cannot tolerate this amongst ourselves. You understand? If we want the church that Jesus built, we really want to become this church. We've got to be sold out about being connected. You see, I'm added to the family. God does the adding. And he added me, adopted you and I to live in his family, not live by ourselves. Now, Gary's is going to be talking about that in a couple of weeks. He's going to be talking about membership. Here's number three. God wants me to grow up. Hello. God wants me to grow up. Look at this in First Peter. This is what you were chosen to do. Oh, wow, that's got my attention. This means God wants this. What do you want? Oh, you were chosen to do this. Well, what is it? Christ gave you the example to follow. He suffered for you. So you should do the same as he did. So what do you choose to do? Tim, I'm, this is something that matters to me. This is something that God, God's saying, this matters to me, Tim. What is it? That you become like my son Jesus. That you incorporate the char- my character. You see, when I made the first man, he was in my image, and then sin just screwed it all up. And I'm trying to get, back, get you back to that image. That kind of life. Look what he says here in 1 Peter. Long to grow up into the fullness of your salvation. Cry for this as a baby cries for his milk. You see, I'm born... When I was born and you were born, we weren't born to stay babies. I know there's movies that show this kid that's 40 feet tall and he's in a diaper and he's wrecking the house and everybody doesn't know what to do. Honey, I blew up the kid or something like that. I I remember that one. You know, that whole idea that, you know, if if somebody was still walking around in diapers and still as an adult, we'd be going, there's something wrong with that person, right? Yeah, we're, we're born to grow. We're born again to grow as well. We're born again to not stay the same, but to be different, to be like Jesus. I was talking to Nathan Coffin uh, this morning. We were sitting out there in the foyer and we were talking about AA and how it works, you know, and you say, and I I can't, I won't tell him my side of the story, okay? I told him what happened to me one time. But I, I, you know, you go to recovery or you go to AA meeting and you introduce yourself my name is so-and-so, and I'm a alcoholic, a drug addict, I'm a whatever, I'm a sex addict, I'm a, I'm a mess, I'm a this, I'm a this, I'm a this. As if you're never going to ever be anything else. And we talked about how, you know, okay, that's probably because we, you know, AA wants you to remember who you are or what you were or what, you know, to stay humble. You know, Apostle Paul said, I'm a sinner. So it's it's healthy, right? And then we started thinking and brainstorming and we come up with this because you know, really it's about my name's Nathan and I'm becoming like Jesus. My name's Tim and I'm becoming like Jesus. Which implies what? Well, it can it can imply a lot of things. Like I say, a slogan or a statement can say some things and say and say some other things too. For example, if I'm becoming like Jesus, does that mean I'm not there yet? Does it mean I've still got a ways to go? And if I'm saying I'm Tim and I'm becoming like Jesus, does that that mean I'm not like I used to be? You see where, where, see that? That's what, that's what it means to be a Christian, is to mature and grow and become. So, in a way, I can say it in a much more pleasant In a much more positive and a much more encouraging way. And I'm Tim, instead of being a jerk, which I can be, I'm becoming I'm a person that's becoming like Jesus. And I'm in this process. Look at the Bible says here. You are children, you're God's children whom He loves, so try to be like Him. That's what we're becoming. We haven't arrived. So many churches, uh, have you ever been connected with a church or a group of people that think they've arrived? Well, we've done about all we can. We've restored everything. Really? No, we haven't. How do I know that? Because I haven't restored. I'm not completely restored. I haven't got everything restored. I'm still working on me. And if I'm still working on me, then God's still working on me. And it means God's still working on all of us. So we're not a perfect church, but we're becoming are becoming like what Christ wants us to be. That's what we want to be as a church, a place where people can can grow and change and transform. Not stay the same. Some of you here you've just changed memberships from one church to the next. I hope you understand. We're not going to let you I heard we used to say it this way, we love you so much that we love you right where you are, but we we love you so much that we won't let you stay that way. But i got to admit, there's been times I think we've let people just stay the way they are. But we've got to change that, see? Because Jesus says, the church I build is going to be a place where people come and learn from me and grow and become more and more in my likeness. And see, this takes time, lots of time and patience with each other to mature like that. See, I know a lot of, I know a lot of people that know a lot of bible but are still big babies. They wear their feelings right there. And they get hurt so quickly. And they want to shut down and cancel. Well, we got there's plenty of civic groups you can be a part of that can do that. Am I right? The church has got to be a place where we're going to go, look, I got my junk, and I got my stuff help me with this you've got your stuff you've got your junk i'm going to help you with that that we that we can speak to each other help each other it takes a process you see maturity is not measured by one's learning by, by but by one's lifestyle what are you becoming we played we, i went to two soccer games yesterday one game we won thirteen to nothing. It was a bloodbath, and everybody was scoring. Even my one of my granddaughters scored her first goal. You know, Mabry scores. I think first or second goal. She scores a goal, and she is excited. You know, Meyer scored a goal. Mabry scored a goal. Carmody scored a goal. You know, everybody's excited. I look over across the field and there's Ellie sitting on the bench by herself. And you know, she if you don't know Ellie much, you can hear her crying a mile away. Is, is her missiles coming? I hear a siren. No, that's Ellie crying. Like, oh, it drives me. Oh. And, and I, uh, Nathan's walking over the field. I said, what's going on with Ellie? I don't know. I can not do anything with her. Oh. <laughs> so I walk. Grandpa's heading over there. And she sees me. I'm, I sat down, what's going on Ellie? I didn't score! I didn't score! I go, well, you know, that happened? Okay, sure, okay. Well, then, you know, not everybody can score. But I didn't score! Well, and, and she sees me doing interviews with all the grandkids that scored. I've been interviewing kids from other families. And, here's a, and doing this interview and sent it to the parents so they, how did it feel and all this stuff? I said, do you, do you want an interview? Is that what it is? I said, Ellie, so I came up, I made up five, I made up something. I said, you know, there's five things that make a great soccer player. Did you know that? Everybody knows this. Really? Yeah. They run good. They kick. They block. And they get back up. And they score. She just sits there and looks at me and goes, you've done four out of the five. But I want to score. I go well you know you, you can't score every time but I've never scored I know people grown men and women on the planet as I speak playing soccer that have never ever scored but I didn't score and there's times church oh, you ever felt like Ellie? no matter what anybody says no nah, I didn't give my way
1: God like,
0: Bleh. you're like, people are going, like, I don't know what to do. Here comes a small group leader. What's going on over there? I don't know what to do with them. I don't know what to do. So you go over there, try to help. What's going on? They called me this. One. They, they said something harsh to me. It hurt. They hurt my feelings. Well, you know, you got to get your big boy pants on, your big girl pants on if you want to grow. You gotta let people say things to you. I I can tell you I can tell you from personal experience. I have rejected some things that people said to me, and I've paid for it dearly, and I've accepted things people have said to me that have been hard to hear that have blessed me. But that's what I'm gonna do. What are you gonna do with this maturity thing? I wanna grow. Guys, there is nothing. I can't think of anything. I was thinking about this, you know, when you when you're when you're acting like Jesus Christ and you know it, when you're, you, hey, I just did the right thing. You know, sometimes I do it accidentally, but I did it and that counts. I just did what you wanted. I know, Tim, you didn't know what you were doing. You walked right in it. The angels are excited. I'm excited. Keep it up. I want to do it again. There's something about you. It's, you know, it's right. You know it's fair. You know it's what Jesus would do. You like you when you're doing this. And, oh, it feels so awesome and so good when you know God's going, yeah, keep it going. You can do it. You've got this. That's what I hear parents say in the soccer field. you got this, Ellie. And bless her heart, she can almost score two or three times. She will. But the... But you're just, there's something awesome about I just made a step of growth that used to bother me. I used to cry and whine. I don't. Why am I not crying and whining? Well, somebody must have nuts. They must have said it the right way. No, you've changed and you can handle it now. You're becoming like Jesus, who calms down when he's getting clobbered by some criticism or somebody, and you're going, you know, it's not big a deal because I know down deep inside. God's got this process, He's working on me, and I'm confident He's, who began a good work in me, will finish it. I'm just gonna cooperate this time, and let's just see where it goes. Maturity. God wants me to grow up. Look at this passage here. Well, let's just go to the next point. I'm just, I gotta move here. God wants me to, to use me in ministry. He wants to use me in ministry. That's number four. Look what it says here. I have set you an example that you should do as I have done for you. This is Jesus after he's washed everybody's feet, all his disciples' feet. and He says, you call me Master, you call me Lord. And it's true, but look what I did. I washed your feet. I want you to do the same thing for others. I didn't come, again, it's one of those taglines. It's one of those slogans, whatever you want to call it. It's jam-packed with meaning here. I've set an example for you. I want you to follow this example. I didn't come to be served. I came to serve. Look at this in Ephesians 2. It is God Himself who made us what we are and given us new lives with Christ, from Christ Jesus. And long ages ago, He planned that we should spend these lives in doing what we want. What a passage. Circle, do what we want. Oh, wait a minute. It doesn't say that, does it? No, it says in helping others. I know when we think of ministry, a lot of times we get this idea, well that's for the professionals. I, if you read the scriptures long enough, you find out, I don't know where the professionals are. I'm looking for them. Where's the professionals in this? Because what Jesus, or what God actually uses in ministry are not the professionals, but just regular everyday people. That's most, that's 99% of the people in the Bible. Why? because he made every one of us to minister. He saves us to serve. Look at Ephesians 4 here. It says, and Christ gave, he gave gifts to people. And those gifts, by the way, were leadership, leadership in the church. And in verse 12, he says, Christ gave those gifts to prepare God's holy people for the work of serving. And look what happens to make the body of Christ stronger. Church, Listen to me. I don't know who you are. I don't know which one of you. I'm not asking for hands. But if you think you're insignificant, you are, you've are. you got to stop thinking like this. Every time you serve the Lord, you make this church stronger. You make His body stronger. Every time one part of my body is working and helping the rest, it helps the rest of the body's parts be healthy. And God wants you to serve. He wants you to have the mindset of a minister that sees opportunity and then seizes it. Number five, God wants me to spread his message. Then Jesus said to them, so wherever you go in the world, tell everyone the good news. Wherever you go, where is that? Anywhere, wherever you go, tell the good news. And Acts, there's his statement. Did they do that? In Acts 5, it says every day they taught in the temple courts and from house to house. They never stopped telling people the good news that Jesus is the Messiah. I love this passage in Acts 8. The church is getting scattered. People don't, they don't like them talking, so they scatter. a persecution comes on the church. And look what it says in Acts 8. And everywhere the believers were scattered, they told people the good news. Everywhere the believers were scattered... They spoke up wherever they were scattered. Because Jesus said, that's why I came. And I want you to go wherever you go, wherever you're scattered. Just talk about me. Talk about the good news. Talk about what it was like before you became a Christian. Talk about what led to your conversion, the things that happened, how God worked. Talk about what you did to be saved. And talk about what it's like today in your life and how, how God has blessed you. That's what these people did. They talked, about, they talked about the good news, the good news of Jesus and how He changes our lives. And when you look at the book of Acts, people are turning to God right and left. The eunuch turns to God in the middle of nowhere. This man in a chariot. A family... That's seeking a good church, it's trying to find a decent church, that's trying to find God in some way, that whole family finds Christ because someone spoke up. <laughs> Somebody goes to jail. They're scattered and are in jail. And they and from a from a jail cell, they talk to a guy that's in a police a police officer in charge, a jailer, and he becomes a Christian and his family. Like wherever they went, they did, all they did was just speak up a little bit. There was a guy this, who's a killer. He's killing everybody. Anybody that's a Christian. And he's throwing rocks at this one believer. He's the first guy to do it. And he sits back and says, look what I've done. And he's watching the guy die. And even he is reached because where Stephen was scattered, he talked about Jesus. Look, look I just see the heaven parting. That's what he says, and Saul. You can see Saul going, huh? What? Oh boy. Oh boy, and it's planted in his heart because Stephen speaks up. I want you to think about all the places you've been scattered. That's what I'm doing. I'm thinking about all the places I've been scattered in my life. God has scattered me. All of us, like we're like seeds. Right now, we're in the pod. And we're going to Sunday's going to. Be over and we're gonna be out there and getting our cars and we're all going everywhere and we're gonna be scattered like where? Stores, campuses, workplaces, parks, parties, soccer fields, restaurants, waiting rooms, checkout lines. We're scattered and what are we gonna do with this? What will we do as a, as a church? This isn't, listen, I want you to know, I'm not trying to, trying to campaign to be a great church. I'm, I'm campaigning to become the church that Jesus wants. That's all. What's He want us to be? You have a stake in this. Doesn't matter how big we are. What are we going to do with it, at the size we are? Have you ever thought about that? God scatters you this week. He's going to scatter you somewhere. What will you do? Will you let the Holy Spirit prompt you to speak up and say something about Christ? I hope you think about that because God wants us to spread His message. I mean, after all, I got to thinking about this. That's how I was reached. God spread some people close enough to me and they just spoke up. He did that to you too, you know. They just spoke up and next thing you know, You're a Christian because they had the courage and the faith and the wherewithal to go, you know what? God's trying to use me here. And oh, I want to be used. There's nothing better when God starts using us. So as we close this this morning, what would be the slogan that would describe you? What is the slogan that you, what statement could you put in a few words that would describe you? Would that slogan somehow have in it something about worship? You know, it's funny, uh, some companies have more than one slogan. So it's okay to have more than one. Maybe it's worship. You go, you know, I want to, I want to worship God. That's that, I want, I want to be obvious, Lord, that I worship you. Or, or maybe it's what, would that slogan include something to do with membership? Being involved? Do you need to have a slogan about maturity in your life? I need, I need to really, like a slogan, or like a, a statement, it's almost like a, a mantra of mine, "I want to grow and be like Christ. I want to be known for somebody that's changing. I want God to change me. Change me." Well, that'd be right there. As, uh, you, you remember uh, Nike? was they say, "Do it? Just do it. Maybe mine change me. Just change me." Or maybe it's ministry. I mean, is God using you the way He wants to? Is it use me? Or is it missions? Where does God want me to speak up, especially in the next few weeks? Church, that's all I got this morning. I just want us to think about this. You know, Jesus had these statements. He said that He didn't, He wasn't, you know, a lot of times I'll say stuff I don't mean, my wife will remind me. You know, sometimes, Tim, you say stuff you really don't mean. And it's true. I'll say stuff to her. I really don't mean. She goes, I know what you really mean. Jesus, when he said something, he really meant it. And this is the kind of church he wants us to be. What can you do to make that possible? That's what I want us to understand. We're all in this. I know we hear it all that. We're all in this together. But this is really true about, especially in the church. All of us matter and all of us count. And I hope you'll decide I'm going. I'm going to. I'm going to help Greater Alton be. Help it become. The kind of your church Jesus wants. You have a card in your bulletin, and it's a simple card that you could. If you got a prayer request or a comment you'd like to make or a decision you'd like to make, we'd like you to be able to do that. We're. I'm going to pray, and get. We're going to sing a song, giving you time to do that, and you know where to put them in these baskets along with your regular contribution. May God bless you, as we learn how to be the church God wants. Let's pray. Father, thank you for, again, just a, some powerful thoughts this morning, Lord. You know, we don't want to be, uh, none of us really want to be just content with being a guest. We want to be more than that. We, pray, Father, we pray you'll open our hearts and open our minds, our eyes to see. Maybe a couple of steps, just right now, a couple of steps we need to take in order to Become more serious about maturity or missions or membership. That you'll help us decide and help us learn in the next couple of weeks how to worship you, what it means to worship you. And Father, I pray that you'll just help us, help us as a church, help us as a church to be a, an army of ministers, an army of servants. Let us see that greatness is achieved with service. Humble our hearts. Use us where you need to. Give us that attitude that says, Lord, where you want me to do? And we'll just do it. We pray in Christ's name. Amen.
1: Oh, Lord, please change my heart. Show me where to start. I want to be all you want me to be So Lord, please change my heart Show me where to start Oh Lord, please make me new I want to be like you I want to be all you want me to be So Lord, please make me new, I want to be like you, you are Lord, you are God,
0: you are
1: my closest friend. Your will fulfilled in me. I want to be all you want me to be. So Lord, please let me see. Your will fulfilled in me. You are Lord. to see just what you'll do with me, so Lord please change my heart, show me where to start.